What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the afternoon hours of Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. We're going to talk some Cardinals baseball today as the hot stove season, well, it's underway. It's about to get fired up and exciting, and the Cardinals could be players in it, as we talked about in the last Cardinals B-Shape Daily episode. It's been a little bit since we've gotten together, but we talked about how from John Mozeliak's end-of-season press conference, it sounded like the Cardinals might be interested in making a big splash this offseason, raising the payroll. Mozeliak didn't speculate that they'd raise the payroll. He said they're going to. He stated it as, as a fact. Now, the extent to which they're actually going to do that is maybe the reason that this offseason is going to be so compelling because we don't really know how far the Cardinals are willing to go. There are some big pieces out there in free agency to go after and, and land a big fish and add some protection, add some robust talent to the lineup. They could go that route if they want to. Or in raising the payroll, they could just be basically uh, giving everybody the arbitration raises that they're owed and then adding some ancillary pieces like the 2023 version of Corey Dickerson, something like that. I'm hopeful that it's more the former than the latter. I know Cardinals fans probably are too, so I'm excited to get into it today. We also have some coaching news to talk about since we last got together. Yes, we knew the Cardinals uh, were no longer employing Jeff Albert, Mike Maddox. We knew the, there would be turnover at the bench coach position as well because of Skip Schumacher taking the Marlins manager job. Well, now those positions have been filled, and if you listen to the last episode of B-Shape Daily in which we kind of speculated the direction they could go, well, we nailed the hitting coach and pitching coach. The bench coach, I think to the surprise of some, me included, but uh, the the elation of Cardinals fans is a, a friendly face, a familiar name. So we'll get into the coaching hires, talk about what that means for the team, and we'll also talk uh, Nolan Arenado. I can't remember if we discussed it on the last B-Shape Daily or not, uh, if, if that news was out yet, that he's, of course, opted into the contract, going to be with the Cardinals for the long haul. It's his team now. And uh, it kind of already was. But now we know that it's set in stone. He's locked up for the long haul. So we'll talk about that. That's not really something we got to get too deep into, in my opinion, because I've been telling you for months that this was going to be the case. So no surprises there, but certainly uh, worth discussing as a, a cornerstone piece is uh, now cemented officially for the Cardinals for the coming years. Uh, Arenado also, by the way, announced as an MVP finalist, along with Paul Goldschmidt in the National League, so we can get into a little bit of award stuff as well. Uh, and, and then, depending how much time we've got left, uh, we'll talk about free agency and some of the names that I think could be interesting. I don't know if I'm going to drop my my number one target for the Cardinals just yet. I might wait till tomorrow to do that. I am going to try to get into a more regular schedule uh, of, of giving you guys a few episodes a week here in the offseason. Now that things are rolling in terms of the World Series is over, yay, Astros win, whatever, Uh Probably people listening to this aren't very excited about that, but I was happy for a couple guys. Aledmis Diaz thought that was cool to get him a world championship ring, former Cardinal, and Dusty Baker. I don't know how you could uh, watch the post game and the, the celebration unfold and not feel good for Dusty to get his first World Series championship. And Jeremy Pena is another one, the rookie who won the MVP award for the series uh, with a base hit in every game of the series. He is a lot of fun, and the Astros are very lucky to have him. So for as much as I was rooting for the Phillies, there were a few storylines that I did appreciate from the Astros win. But now that that's over, we're full steam ahead on offseason stuff. So uh, thank you guys for joining me. 
Welcome back in. Let's uh, let's get settled in and remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you want to be up to date, ready to go with all the Cardinals chatter that we have throughout this hot stove season and the off season, and then into spring training next year is when we really start to ramp up. And uh, especially if I'm down there in Jupiter, which hopefully I will be, but we'll see with the the, the new baby if that's possible this year. But a lot of great stuff going to be coming down the pike on this podcast feed. So appreciate you guys for joining me. And if you want to support the show, it's an easy way to do so. Go to patreon.com slash bshafer12 and sign up as a patron. Uh, you get some extra goodies there as time goes along. Uh, still trying to get that up and running and, and have the time to do it all. But I appreciate you guys. If you sign up for the Patreon, you're supporting uh, what we do here at bshafe Daily. So thank you so much for doing that. Let's go ahead and hop right into uh, the topics of today, which uh, we'll start with the coaching situation for the Cardinals as how about that? Matt Holiday back in uniform. He is going to be the Cardinals' new bench coach, taking over for Skip Schumacher. You go from one former player, one world champion as a Cardinal to another. And I think this is a really interesting move. It kind of came out of left field for me. I feel like Cardinals fans were talking about it and sort of hoping that it could be reality. Maybe they would have said for the hitting coach job would have been perhaps more the line of thought before we knew anything of what was to come. But I just think it's a really interesting move because you've got Matt Holiday, who the pedigree nobody would ever question in terms of his uh, baseball acumen and his leadership ability. Like he's he's the whole package, and Cardinals fans got to see that up close and personal when he was with the team as a player. Uh, he he knows what he's doing, he knows what he's talking about, and he was a really good hitter, you know. So that was maybe the reason that people thought, okay, hitting coach, bench coach. That's like the manager track, though, right? We've seen. I think the last four or five Cardinals bench coaches have gone on to become managers. David Bell, uh, going back to Mike Schilt, and then obviously Ollie Marble, Skip Schumacher, the latest. So that's, what, four over the last six or seven years that have gone on to become managers after the Cardinals bench coach boost? I mean, that's pretty impressive. So for Matt Holliday to now take that position, I think is really interesting because we've always wondered, all right, He's again, obviously has the acumen. What's his want to? What's the desire for Matt Holiday to uh, have a full-time role in Major League Baseball, a coaching role, which is much different than, you know, he was helping out as an assistant coach. I don't even know if he had a formal title with o- Oklahoma State where his brother is the head coach, uh, college baseball program. Like, you can kind of pick and choose how involved you want to be, but if you're taking a bench coach job, it that signals to me, you're all in and maybe pursuing it as a career track. Maybe Matt Holiday, future manager, uh, could be something that happens down the road. But really interesting, uh, no experience, right? No major league coaching experience. But we've seen the, the these bright baseball minds, guys like Skip Schumacher, who at one point obviously had no experience, but he worked his way into a bench coach role with San Diego Padres. But he started out as a lesser coach, and then a couple of years go by, he's elevated to associate, I believe it was, manager. Uh, under Jace, Jace Tingler out in San Diego. So, like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with hiring a guy that doesn't have experience to the bench coach position because if you think he's the right guy and the right fit, you almost know he's going to grow as a coach in that role. There's some more responsibility that goes to that, and maybe you'd like to see a guy get his feet wet in a in a less strenuous position first, but I don't think with Matt Holiday there's really anything to worry about. And I don't think Cardinals fans are. I think they're very excited. Uh, really, the bench coach role is about having uh, the back of the manager, being the right-hand man of the manager, and that's what Skip Schumacher was, capably so, last year in his lone season uh, with the Cardinals in that role, and now it's going to be Matt Holiday. I think Oliver Marmel, uh probably pretty excited about it 
look forward to hearing more as time goes on about the the relationship between Holiday and Marmol and how this all came to be. You've got a Cardinals Hall of Famer though now as the bench coach for the team. Pretty cool. I you know I covered Matt Holiday toward the end of his career. That was when I was first coming up and, and getting to cover games in 2016, and pretty cool. Now to see him, and he'll be back in that capacity as the team's bench coach. Can't wait, too, to see how uh, that relationship of Holiday with Adam Wainwright develops. Uh, not develops, but how it uh, unfolds over the course of this season, where instead of uh, teammates, now technically one is uh, you know a superior over the other in terms of uh, Matt Holiday being on, on the coaching staff, Adam Wainwright still being an active player. Holiday, evidently, I forget where this was. I'm reading the tweet from John Denton. I don't know where this was said. I was not involved in uh, if there was a, a media scrum over it or a Zoom. But John Denton's tweet from yesterday, he said, one of Matt Holiday's first orders of business once he gets started as the Cardinals' new bench coach, quote, I think I'll make Adam take a lap the first day I'm on staff to reestablish that I'm on the coaching staff now and he's a player, Holiday said. That is uh, hysterical. So I think I think we'll have some fun with that, uh, just watching that unfold as the season goes along. But Holiday is the bench coach. By and large, I say good move. I'm kind of surprised that he was willing to do it. Like I said, I thought if anything was going to keep him from it, it wasn't going to be the Cardinals' willingness to hire him, but more so maybe his desire at this point in his life. I know he's got kids, uh, but you know his son Jackson just was drafted as the number one overall pick by the Orioles, and so he's obviously not watching him play his high school baseball anymore. That that kid's going on to the pros, and uh, so that that may, maybe is what opens Holiday up to the willingness to say, all right, I want a career in coaching and uh, maybe managing down the road, and, and this is a great place to be and a great place to start that uh, pursuit. So I think it's really interesting, and I'm excited to see how it how it works out for Holiday. It's kind of rare that you – I mean, you don't often see the guys who were legit superstars as players then decide they want to go into coaching managing, but that's how you know the guy just loves the game loves baseball, and uh, loves St. Louis as well. I think it's a good fit. Let's move on, though, to talking about the hitting coach and pitching coach positions, which were both internal hires. Cardinals elevated Dusty Blake from his role on the coaching staff to the head pitching coach, and Turner Ward, who was the assistant hitting coach, has now been promoted to the lead overall main hitting coach to oversee everything at the major league level. I think these are obvious moves, and I really like the Dusty Blake move in particular, because that was the one of the two where it was like, Turner Ward, you have that continuity. The Cardinals did have a good offense this past season. I know it sort of died when they went to the playoffs, and that's been what's gotten them eliminated each of the last three, four years from the postseason. You go back to 2019, and that really was the case in the National Series. But aside from that unfortunate ending uh, against the Phillies in the, the two games at Bush Stadium, the Cardinals did have a good offense this season, ranked very highly in runs scored. I believe they were tied for fifth in, in Major League Baseball, and they were fifth on their own in OPS throughout the regular season this year. So for whatever you think about Jeff Albert, it was working at the major league level throughout the season for the most part. There were some tweaks that I would say you'd still want to see more consistency. Uh, I, I still don't know where you could find this or track down this information. If anybody knows and can do this for me, shoot me a message at bshafer12 on Twitter. Not that I want you to do the work for me, but point me in the right direction of where I could go to do the research. It just seems year after year, that the Cardinals are always one of those teams where even if they have a good record and even if they have a good offense, as the overall numbers would dictate, it often seems as though they're having those 11-run outbursts, 13 runs, 12 runs. They scored nine runs. Like, they have those big games, and they follow them up with a, an inordinate amount of one-run, two-run shutout offense where they don't put up any runs. Not often enough are they in that four- to five- to six-run range 
especially that four or five, because that can be underrated when you've got a pitching staff that is effective. Cardinals ranked in the top half of the league in pitching, good ERA, good bullpen ERA. Like if you're in that four to five run range every night and you can limit the number of times you're zero, one, two, or even three runs, you're going to win a ton of games with the way the Cardinals are set up defensively and with their pitching staff. And so I feel like that was the really only area that you could gripe about. Again, it's just a a narrative-driven situation now. I don't have the numbers to back it up relative to counting everybody, all 30 teams in Major League Baseball, and seeing how many games they had two or few runs scored. Uh, I know it's probably out there, and I just haven't been smart enough to find it. But it just seems like that would be the one area you'd you'd change, you'd want to improve upon for the Cardinals. Yes, have the offensive outburst, but on the days, you know, it's just – Credit to the pitching. It's the old Mike Schilt, we tip our cap. And I know people got fed up with that uh, toward the end of Mike Schilt's tenure. But it happened a little bit this year as well. And it's not the manager's fault. I don't even think it's really the hitting coach's fault. Uh, Approach based, sure. But at the end of the day, the players have to be able to execute consistently. That's the bottom line. But I think all in all, with that gripe aside, offense was pretty good this year during the regular season. At the minor league levels, you can't argue with Jeff Albert and what he was able to instill in terms of development of some of these young players guys like Yepes guys like Brennan Donovan coming directly to the major league level having success even Nolan Gorman had some success this year and and that feels good to talk about even below that you talk about the guys still coming up Mason Wynn Jordan Walker I think you could say that there were some really positive steps taken by the 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 hitting philosophy of the organization in terms of developing these young players these prospects into guys that can contribute at the major league level and, and do so in a meaningful way So I think the Cardinals could end up missing Jeff Albert in some ways. As I talked about, uh, scroll back on your podcast feed if you haven't heard the the previous episode where we talked about the press conference and the news of Albert deciding to leave, Mike Maddox deciding to leave. I got into it there, uh, kind of where I thought Albert was maybe miscast almost as the major league hitting coach. And there there could have been a role for him that uh, maybe he'd still be with the Cardinals if that was the way they wanted to do it. And because of his success with the minor league players, I feel like that that would have been justified. But obviously he wanted to go a different route, and so now the Cardinals are left to sort of pick up the pieces, but I don't view it as like this big catastrophe that they've got to fill in and try to figure out what they're going to do. Turner Ward steps in, and I think he's going to be perfect for the job, and I think the foundation in terms of what they wanted to do under Jeff Albert at an organizational level from the top all the way down through the minor leagues – I think that's pretty well been implemented. And so now it's about having a a guy who's going to be able to just keep that rolling, keep that momentum rolling at the minor league levels. But then at the major league level, I think there's still maybe more to unlock for the Cardinals offense in future seasons, especially if they add some significant talent, which we'll talk about, of course. But I think Turner Ward is a very good fit. 57 years old, he's got the cachet of being a former player. In the big leagues, had a 12-year Major League Baseball career from 1990 to 2001. Uh, was not a, an everyday guy in any of his seasons. The most at-bats he registered was 94, year I was born. Uh, 367 at-bats that year. Didn't have a season uh, above 300 at-bats other than that one. In 98, he had 282. And those were the only two seasons in which he registered more than 200 at-bats. But 1,548 at-bats for his career. 251 hitter, 721 OPS. Respectable major league career for Turner Ward. And I feel like that can benefit him in in this coaching role in particular. Jeff Albert didn't have that, and there were times where, you know, you'd speculate, does he have the ability to relate to players on the day-to-day level to be able to, to get a guy out of his slump or to 
uh, approach a situation the way that the player is going to respond most uh, effectively to it and be able to advance what he's trying to do at the plate. Different strokes for different folks, right? But that, that former player element, a lot of people wonder, is that important? And I don't know that, that it's necessarily a, a must, but I do think it can help in the hitting coach position because you could, and again, how valuable is it for a guy who had a 250 career batting average to go to Paul Goldsmith and say, well, here's what I used to do, right? Because Paul Goldsmith, obviously more decorated player. But I think there can be benefits to be had from that shared experience in this particular role. Like if Jeff Albert was going to be the VP of offensive strategy and make a bunch of money per year to oversee that through the entire organization, that would have been a pretty good fit for him, I would have to imagine. Major League hitting coach, again, he wasn't fired, but could you see maybe room for growth here for the Major League offense having Turner Ward, who's already been there, that you've got the continuity factor, you've got the factor of a, a guy that players really gravitate toward and respect. You've also, though, got, uh, the fact that he does embrace the technology and the analytics of uh, what it means to be a modern major league hitting coach in, in 2022, 2023, and, and moving forward. So I think he's a very good blend of guy who played the game but has been in coaching for a long, long time and has only been with the Cardinals for a couple of years on their on their staff, but he has really risen up the ranks, has gained a lot of respect from within the organization. I think he's going to be a good fit. He was the only choice to me uh, to take over as the hitting coach. They're just looking to keep keep it going with what they had before at the minor league levels, and then at the major league level, it's just about uh, you know maximizing the offensive production that was admittedly pretty good last year. Again, fifth and run score, tied for fifth, fifth and OPS across major league baseball. That's good. It's much better than it was the previous three years under Jeff Albert. They they definitely took strides forward. Um, I think personnel is going to help maybe advance that even further for next year. And find that element of consistency that we were talking about, too. I think that would be a boost for the group to have fewer of those uh, kind of games where they go night-night and uh, aren't able to get anything, uh, whether it's against a great pitcher or a mediocre pitcher. It seems like throughout the season there were a number of those times in 2022, even with the improved numbers on offense. And so maybe that's something you want to lock in on. But I think Turner Ward is a great choice. Uh, Like I said, the only choice. Excited about Dusty Blake as well. Maybe more excited about uh, that promotion to head pitching coach for the Cardinals Another guy who has the the background where is respected and acknowledged as a guy who embraces analytics. And that's, to me, I said it on the last B-Shape Daily where we talked about this. The the move to hire Dusty Blake would be the one that says, we're going full in on analytics. Does he have the decades of experience as a major league pitching coach that Mike Maddox departs with? Of course not. But I don't know that you... And again, I'm not trying to minimize the contributions of Maddox. I think he did a good job, but I, you almost don't need that. I feel like in the modern game, that, that can almost be a de- deterrent, a detriment in some regards by kind of guys, if they're going to cling to older ways when the game is moving in a different direction. We're not going seven innings as a starter, you know, as, as a number five starter. No, you're probably going to go five and dive and, and we're going to maximize the bullpen. We're going to, you know, it's just the way the game is going. I don't think Mike Maddox was a detriment in that regard, but I'm saying rather than bring in another retread pitching coach who's got a lot of experience, I think this might be sort of the wave moving through baseball where you want those analytics, and from a pitching perspective, you want a guy who embraces kind of the modern way of doing things. And again, fans may not always like it. I know there are plenty of Cardinals fans that thought Ollie Marmel was a, a dum-dum for taking Jose Quintana out of the playoff game when he did. I I agreed with the decision and understood why he did it that way. And it's that 
kind of approach, I think, is going to only become more and more prominent in baseball moving forward. But they, they're going to have everybody on the same page. And it's not that Mike Maddox wasn't on that page. Obviously, he developed that pitching plan with Ollie Marmel the morning of that game or the day before that game, whenever they did it. But I think, Dusty Blake, you can just lean even further into knowing that like the Cardinals are going to make a concerted effort to be on the forefront as much as possible when it comes to the, the modern analytics of technology and the way those cutting-edge organizations tend to approach pitching. I think the Cardinals are wanting to be in that class, and I think they have a chance to be. Uh, you know, in many regards, you look at past years with the way they've drafted, that may be something to keep an eye on it and look for. Because even as the Cardinals have said, we want to be more, you know, futuristic, we want to be more on the cutting edge, they have continued to really draft a, a very particular type of pitcher over the last few years. And with their first round picks, Michael McGreevy is an example, the kid out of Oregon State whose name escapes me at the moment that they drafted this past summer. Cooper Jerpy is the kid's name. They kind of have that build of they're going to be guys that can give you innings and they don't have incredible stuff, but they're going to be probably a good, reliable route to getting to the big leagues, and then you kind of see what happens. That's sort of been the way the Cardinals have done it, and I wonder if they get a little bit more advanced and, and dive into the analytics and they say, we're going to take some shots on guys with big arms. You know, we want to go for the upside, the stuff, and we can teach them command. We can. The Cardinals have always done it the other way around, going back to – Dave Duncan, they you know they want guys who could command the strike zone, and then they'll teach you a pitch, or they'll they'll teach you to do this one little trick that's going to help you and make you be a legitimate major league pitcher. You know that was the the reclamation project by Dave Duncan was always what happened there. I'm interested to see if maybe the Cardinals, if if this hiring of Dusty Blake to a more prominent role, maybe down the road, do they ever change their philosophy? And that's not to say that. A guy like Jerpy can't end up being like a star pitcher. Like, he could be. I don't know. There's a lot of development that has to take place. Same thing with McGreevy. Like, sometimes we think one thing about a guy, and then we learn something different. Cardinals probably think very differently about Sandy Alcantara compared to what they did when they were trading him away in the Ozuna deal with three other dudes. Like, you learn as you go on, and, and guys develop and change, and they improve. Like, a player has the capacity to get better and beat a projection, you know, compared to what you expect of him based on your scouting or whatever you you learned about him when you drafted him. And and there is with Jerpy there's the he has that weird delivery style too to where like Chris Sale-esque a lot of people would compare it to I think we talked about that last June July whenever the draft took place. So like it's definitely possible that you get advanced in that regard and this guy does end up being a stuff guy. Uh McGreevy, who knows? Same, you know, same thing. Guys can learn to throw harder. But I'm just talking about like the style of way the way the Cardinals have approached the draft has always been like a lot of folks around the game would say, yeah, unexciting pick, very Cardinals pick. He's going to be a good number three in the rotation, and he's solid. Dakota Hudson kind of reminds me of that, although Hudson's had issues with command as he's gotten to the big league level. But I'm just curious if maybe this is uh, the analytical approach to the coaching staff. I wonder if that ends up, and it's not to say that Randy Flores and the scouting director and then everything that they do with preparing for drafts, that they're not all already diving into analytics very deeply, but maybe they uh, change the approach to where they get some some prospects with some better stuff. Because we've seen from a pitching development perspective, Cardinals have had guys come up, do okay, but it's always like the Andre Palante that you you don't see coming, and then he turns into to usable. It's never, I, I won't say never, but recently it hasn't been like the the obvious big arm prospect like like the Jack Flaherty type that comes up and just 
develops into a new ace for the rotation. They have, it's been a little while since they've had somebody like that. So, And maybe part of the reason for that is they see those guys and they get injured like Flaherty has, and they just don't want to deal with the repercussions. So interesting thought process, though. Bottom line, though, I really like the Dusty Blake hire. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm glad that they took the leap to a guy that doesn't have major league coaching experience at that level as a head pitching coach. I like that they were willing to go that route. Because I think, and maybe it's not a direct comparison with the manager job, but Ali Marmel, no managerial experience. Yes, he had, had worked his way through the ranks in lower coaching positions in preparation for that gig. Cardinals trusted him with it. He's done a nice job. I think it could be a similar story for Dusty Blake. So as far as those uh, three main coaching hires are concerned, I think the Cardinals did very well. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for those positions in the coming year. Going to get into a little bit of the Arenado stuff and then, oh, maybe I'll I'll probably save the free agent stuff for the next episode so I can really dive in on uh, some different options. But I guess at the end of it, I'll go ahead and give my name that would be number one on my target board for the Cardinals. And it's not necessarily like a out of left field kind of move. Uh, it's a name that I, I've even noticed on Twitter and and. Social media, people writing about maybe already talking about this player is kind of an obvious name, one that I don't know if the Cardinals are necessarily going to make the splash for. But I'll tell you before we wrap up this podcast, too, I would be targeting uh, number one with a bullet if I were St. Louis this offseason with a, a lot of money potentially to spend in free agency, whether they'll do it or not. Eh, we'll see. But they certainly have said that the payroll will be going up. One guy that we know will be on that payroll is Nolan Arenado. He has opted into the remainder of his contract with the Cardinals. That is good news. That is expected news, right? I don't think anybody really thought. There might have been some uh, hesitation, some faint concern from Cardinals fans who were fearing the worst that Arenado could leave. But I've been saying on B-Shape Daily all, all year, really, that this was not something really to worry about, and uh, now that is uh, official, that Arenado will be in St. Louis through the 2027 season. As I mentioned earlier, he is an MVP finalist along with Goldschmidt and Manny Machado of the Padres. Goldschmidt should win the MVP, in my opinion. We'll see. It'll be a couple of weeks, I think, before that's announced, 10 days or so before that is revealed. But uh, those are the three finalists. You've got that dynamic duo with Goldie and with Arenado now at the corners of your infield for the coming years. The Cardinals have talent elsewhere, right? You know, Jordan Walker's coming. If you're thinking toward the future, like what's the core going to look like for the next three to five years, those two are probably a part of it. I know Goldsmith's contract actually ends sooner than that. I, I think he's actually only got two or three years left, 2023 and 2024. Maybe the end of his deal, I'll have to... I'll have to get that checked out. I believe that is, yeah, that's accurate that his expires after 2024. He'll be 36 in that year, though. So a couple more years of Goldschmidt, and then they'll kind of see. Um, I feel like he should finish his career as a Cardinal, and if he's still playing at a high level, Cardinals will want to lock him up as well, I would have to imagine. And obviously, potentially winning the MVP award at age 34, he had a phenomenal season, so I don't think that there's any signs of him slowing down imminently and, and hopefully that just pans out and he continues to look good. Uh, he's in great shape. There's no reason to expect that he shouldn't continue uh, for the for the next few years, I wouldn't think. So you've got those guys. Jordan Walker is a name I bring up because 
three years from now, he might be the Cardinals' best hitter. Like, that's the hope, that he develops into that. And so you'll probably you'll see him as early as 2023. Like, I don't think it's going to be a guarantee for opening day, but he's gonna, by midsummer, he should be up here. So he's going to be a factor. Whether he's playing the outfield, I suspect that he will be probably right field. And, uh, you know, it's possible that you get him into a different position, but that's probably where he ends up because he's been spending his time there the latter part of the season in the minors, in the outfield. It was ever uh, since the, the trade deadline day, I believe, when the Cardinals traded Harrison Bader, that sort of um, moved Jordan Walker toward outfielder uh, for his future and potentially could play any of the three positions, but I think right field is where he probably settles in. But you look at the other spots like Dylan Carlson, you hope that he pans out and turns into the the offensive player that uh, the Cardinals were hoping for him to be. Tommy Edmond, I think he'll be around for a little while. He's a, a really good piece, uh, great defender. John Mozalak, uh, according to Derek Gould, said on, what is it? What's today? Tuesday? It's a Keith Kachuk moment for me there. Uh, he said Tuesday evening from the GM meetings in Vegas that when asked who his what, what about his shortstop position, who his shortstop is, he said without hesitation, Tommy Edmond going into 2023. Now, you might recall that when asked about the third base spot a couple of days prior to acquiring Nolan Arenado, John Mozeliak said definitively, oh, Matt Carpenter's our third baseman. So it could mean anything. But you've got those two guys at the corners. You've got Jordan Walker, Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond will be part of that future that's a, that's a pretty good starting point. You've got some prospects. You've got guys like Nolan Gorman on the way. Tyler O'Neill uh, is still under contract. You know, Brendan Donovan was a, a really good utility guy for you last year. Uh, Lars Newtbar. Like, okay, you've got some pieces here to work with, but doesn't it feel like the Cardinals could just use that one more premium piece? They're going to have to do something at catcher. I don't think Andrew Kisner, I don't think he's going to end up being a guy that catches 120 games or more for the Cardinals next year. You're going you're gonna to bring in somebody of a higher profile offensively, I think, than Andrew Kisner, and they're going to split the work. That's the way I would handle it. I don't count on Yvonne Herrera just yet. I think especially as you approach this free agency situation, if you're the Cardinals, the number one tenet has got to be don't worry about blocking a prospect that isn't here yet and may never arrive. Like, we think very highly of Walker. He's the one guy that I would say, all right, pencil him in almost for July 2023. But that doesn't mean you don't go out and fill a spot for April, May, and June, you have to approach it like he's not going to be there. Either you do that or you bring him up from day one and you don't worry about blocking a guy that's in the minors. You're saying, no, he's not in the minors. He's in the majors, and that's why we decided to not fill the, the spot with a trade or free agency or whatever. We decided that we're going we're gonna to go bring him up right now and see what he's got. Totally fine with that. But otherwise, I don't want to, and especially in the case of Mason Wynn, I do not think the card. I don't think Mason Wynn should factor in one iota to the Cardinals' approach to this offseason. It's not a knock on the kid, but he's very young, and I think he's not a guarantee to reach the big league level and be an offensive star. Jordan Walker, I mean, nobody's a guarantee, but Jordan Walker, I feel like, is going to be that guy at the big league level. I have no idea if Mason Wynn's going to ultimately have that type of hit tool at the major league level. Really great arm, probably going to be a really good defender, good base runner, all of those things. Great athlete. I don't know that the hit tool is just going to be the kind of hitter that you, two years ahead of time, say, oh, we got to worry about what we do at shortstop. We can't add anybody because this guy's on the way. I just don't really think that's the case. I think add good talent, and then if you get more good talent arriving to the big league level, 
then your team is all the better for it. You're deep and you have a, a, a lot of flexibility. That's the dream, right? So that's the way the Cardinals should approach it, in my opinion. They're talking about the fact that they've got payroll muscle. I see a player out there that would be an absolutely perfect Cardinal. He's going to cost a lot of money, but he's the guy that I would that I would break the bank on. I'm backing up the Brinks truck when it comes to Trey Turner, shortstop of the Los Angeles Dodgers, bonafide hitter at the top of your lineup, has power, can get on base, solid defender, best slider in baseball. His slides are amazing. Athletic, young enough, like he's 29 years old, just had his age 29 season, so kind of fits in with the primes, a little bit younger than guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt, but veteran player, winning player, I think he'd be fantastic. Put him at the top of the Cardinals lineup, and now you've got it going on. 298 averages past season, 343 on base, 466 slug for an 809 OPS, 21 homers, 100 ribbies, 27 stolen bases. I mean, he's a, he's a complete package, in my opinion. And if you think Tommy Edmonds a better shortstop, play Trey Turner at second base. I don't care as long as he's cool with it. And I, and I feel like the bag of money that you give him would make him potentially be cool with, with whatever you want him to do. But whatever the alignment is, Trey Turner, Tommy Edmond up the middle, Arnado Goldie at the corners. You've got the hope for Dylan Carlson. Tyler O'Neill is still a factor, but I, I, I'm i sort of brushing Tyler O'Neill to the side a little bit in the conversation because I don't feel like you should go into next season with him just planted into a spot. Because with his health and kind of underperformance this past season, the health was up and down, the performance was up and down. But there was there was more down than up if you look at the full numbers at the end of the year. So I'm not going into the season saying, oh, he's got to be planted into the left field spot necessarily. I'm not saying Dylan Carlson has to be planted in an everyday role in center field. Defensively, I'd love for that to be the case, but I also look at it and think he's got to be able to hit right-handed pitching. I don't know what happened. I don't know why that evaded him last year, but he's got to figure it out. Maybe it was the wrist, but that that wrist wasn't the issue the entire season, and the numbers were still pretty poor batting against right-handed pitching. Maybe he should not be a switch hitter. I don't know. You know, you got to figure it out however you can to get him to be that everyday guy that they they thought they were getting. I think I still have hope for Dylan Carlson to be that. But honestly, when I look at the outfield right now, I feel the best about Lars Newtbar. And then my second best candidate is, is Jordan Walker. So if the outfield mixture is Lars Newtbar... Maybe left field if it's not O'Neill, Carlson in center, Jordan Walker in right by July. Maybe you start with Tyler O'Neill in left field, see if it works out. If it does, great. If not, that even further gives you the incentive to call up Jordan Walker early in the year. If he's ready, spring training will dictate. I think you're going to see a lot of Jordan Walker in spring training. Getting at bats in Grapefruit League play to see if he's ready for the leap. That's going to be, he's going to be one of those proving ground kind of guys. But I look at that outfield alignment, and I think that would be really great. And you just, you, you plop Trey Turner in at shortstop. You pay him whatever it's going to cost. You go for it. That would make the Cardinals a really dynamic team, in my opinion. And that's the one guy that I want, too. Like, Carlos Correa, great player. Xander Bogarts, great hitter. Don't like him defensively. If you want to move him to second base and, and keep Tommy at short, that's fine. 
but I, I'm not dropping a bag of money to Xander Bogarts. He's a bad shortstop. Defensively, he's a bad shortstop, according to the numbers and the metrics. So if it's part of the stipulation of wherever he goes, he wants to play shortstop because it's an ego thing, I, I'm sorry. The numbers have not dictated that. So I'm not that interested in, in having that situation and what it would cost, not for a Cardinals pitching staff that has benefited from and relies upon that really good defense behind them. So I'm really looking at Trey Turner. And again, he, defensively, I, Tommy's probably better, but he but Turner's fine. He's good enough, and the bat, I think, is is elite enough that I am, I'm willing to go in on Trey Turner. I just think that would make the Cardinals super dynamic. And the, you, if you want to go for one of the other shortstops as well, I mean, Dansby Swanson would be good. I think I think his bat sometimes is a mirage. He's come into his own offensively, but for several years there, it was kind of like he was he was more more glove than bat. And uh, you know you don't want to get caught in a situation where you you sign a guy to a bunch of money and then the, the bat just doesn't really appear. The last two seasons he's been good with over twenty home runs, but the OPS seven sixty seven seventy six. He was eight oh nine in OPS in the the COVID year. Played all 60 games. So, like, he's been solid now for three seasons in a row. But I don't know if you want to pay for solid when you could get elite, in my opinion. I think Trey Turner is the better player. Uh, now, Dansby is a little bit younger, maybe a year or two younger. But I'm looking Trey Turner's direction, and I'm throwing the bag at him if I'm the Cardinals. Like Jumbo like said, they're going to raise payroll. There are a lot of directions that they could decide to go with that. We'll be covering it all here on B-Shape Daily. But I feel like... The no-brainer way to go would be adding an elite player at a premium position. It's not a knock on Tommy Edmond. It's you've got all these positions where you feel good about the guy defensively and you feel like the upside is there offensively, but you're like, ah, eh, I don't really know. Like that wouldn't be the case with Trey Turner. He would just be an engine to the offense. And that is the kind of protection that I think you would really be providing to guys like Arnado and Goldie, not from behind them, but by getting guys on base in front of them consistently, which happened. Like, Brendan Donovan, Lars Newpar, they got it done for a while. But I think you're getting that next step in a guy like Trey Turner. Uh, he'd just be a, a winning acquisition to me for the Cardinals. So I'm curious if they're willing to go that far. Maybe they won't be, but that, like, why why should we start out this offseason with anything other than, like, here's what be the 1A signing if you're going to going to spend some money. For me, it's Trey Turner. What do you think? Who would you like to see the Cardinals sign? And who should we talk about coming up in the uh, subsequent episodes of B-Shape Daily? Sh- shoot me a message at B-Shaper12 on Twitter. Let me know who you'd like to hear discussed. We'll talk about Wilson Contreras. I know that's another name that uh, obviously will be bandied about because the Cardinals do need a catcher. I'll talk about in the next episode whether or not I think that's super realistic or if it makes sense, uh, who maybe some of the other catcher options are. I've already talked about on Twitter this week, talking uh, in, in replies to Jeff Jones, Brandon Kylie, those guys. Uh, a lot of chatter about the Toronto catchers and how the Cardinals may line up with the Blue Jays for a trade for one of those catchers. I've already said I'm not trading Lars Newtbar. I talked a little bit tonight about the uh, the outfield and, and part of the reason that I would be a little skeptical to go into it feeling super great about what you had, but Newtbar is the one guy I actually feel pretty good about. Uh, and I'll talk more about that and the reasons for that in the next episode. So make sure that you lock in on B-Shape Daily. Subscribe on Apple or Spotify. 
And uh, we'll have a lot of fun this offseason talking hot stove and breaking down the Cardinals news as it inevitably comes about. So appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, for joining me. We'll talk to you next time on Be Shafe Daily. Peace.